Welcome to the Film Crew Love Podcast. Let's have some fun. Welcome to the Film Crew Love Podcast. We'll be discussing the labor of film love and the love of film labor. I'm your host, Imhotep, and I am joined today by the one and only Heidi McGowan. She is the production manager of uh, Blackish for several years. Also production manager of Insecure. She's done some stuff in Silicon Valley, African-American woman. And uh, in light of the situations we're in, uh, we will keep the questions geared towards diversity and inclusion and um, access through the industry and learn about her and her rights and responsibilities. Uh, so, hello, Heidi. Hi. How are you? I'm doing all right. I mean, yes. you know, considering everything that's going on, I'm doing fairly well. Yes, yes. Uh, Heidi and I go back, I think uh, um, we ran into each other mostly at a lot of the steering committee meetings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did work a couple days on Blackish years ago, and the thing that stood out to me was how diverse this, the crew was. Um, so, whenever I see a diverse crew, I think about a production manager and I think about a DP. Uh, right. So, talk about your crew. Um, well, right from the start, we tried to uh, hire as many diverse people as possible both, you know, women and people of color. Um, I'm sorry, my headphones are making me kind of crazy. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was definitely a concerted effort. I mean, we were very clearly aware of what the name of our show was, so we knew <laughs> what we were going to do. And um, even like me being hired, I know that there was, you know, there was an effort to kind of seek me out um, and talk to me about the project. And I had already had ties with Kenya from the past and um, with Disney from the past. So that actually worked out pretty well. Excellent. Um, I guess over your film career uh, in, in television, uh, um, what will you consider one of the most rewarding projects? Uh, I'm, obviously, this is one of the tops of the list, but, you know... Um, it's giving me um, kind of rewarding projects and challenging projects and why. Well, I think all of them are challenging, yes. but, um, and with, you know, basic, with the, the basic edict that every project, no matter how big or small, all have the exact same problem. They don't have enough time and they don't have enough money. And that is their idea because no matter if you have, you know, $10,000 or, $10 million, you don't think you have enough time or money to make the project that you want. Um, I would say the most rewarding, you know, Blackish, I've been doing Blackish for the last seven seasons. And um, well, it, this season will be the seventh season. It's been um, very rewarding for a number of reasons. Um, but for me, it's allowed me to grow and really understand what my position is. Um, in the other other projects that have been rewarding, I mean, 
so many of them happened when I was a PA. Yes. <laughs> um, my first film ever, I worked on um, a little movie called, uh, it was originally called Dexter Jackson. And it became, I think they changed the name to Living Large. And it was directed by Michael Schultz, mm-hmm. who I adore. And um, the first AD was a black woman, uh, Vicki Rhodes. Mm. So my, I always think of how lucky was I that I got to, you know, be a PA on that project. And that was my first exposure in terms of working on a film and meeting these people. And it was such a great, like the film is not that great, but like it was such a great project to work on. And I had so much fun and it totally made me decide like, this is how, what the career I want to pursue. I I was thinking about it the other day and I was thinking had um, just the reverse of that happened. Like I worked, the next project I worked on was a big movie called Free Jack. And if I had done Free Jack first, and then done live in large, I probably wouldn't be in this business. Mm. Um, and, you know, for a number of reasons. But uh, uh, Red Tails was very rewarding because yeah. um, I got to work in Europe and I always wanted to do that. And I met so many incredible people. And the film, you know, the film has got, you know, has got a lot of interesting, it takes a lot of interesting twists and turns that were, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm not the filmmaker. I think Anthony did a, a great job um, with the original script, but what was actually the ending film was not the original script at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that working on that project, I met so many different people and uh, incredible people. Two of the people on the crew um, while we were uh, filming were had to leave because they had been nominated for Oscars, um, two of the, the crew members. And so they had to leave for a little bit and then come back. And, I, you know, it was just a it was a completely different level of of uh, expertise that I had, yes. you know, hadn't really encountered. I mean, I, I, I take that back. I have definitely worked with really talented, incredible people before that, but there was like so many all on one set, which, you know, usually there's like the one standout guy. You're like, oh, that, you know, makeup artist was uh, nominated for several awards and did all these big projects and all that kind of stuff. But this was like literally every department was like that. That's excellent. What, let me ask you this. Um, when you think about your career, um, if you had to rank uh, the environments of work, the work environment, uh, creativity or money, um, when you're pursuing a job and when you decide to take a job, um, how do you rank those and why? Definitely people first, um, because you spend so much time together and, you know, life is too short to spend a lot of time with miserable people. Um, And sometimes, you know, you don't know because you're just meeting them for the first time. Um, But definitely people first. Uh, 
then whatever the project is, though, you know, creatively, I mean, I've worked on projects that I didn't particularly love creatively, but it's a lot easier when you do. Um, and then money would come third. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you had to rank, you know, I, I guess, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, money is an interesting thing because when you say money, are you talking about like how much I'm getting paid or are you talking about um, how much money they have for the overall project? <laughs> well, production manager, I probably should say both. Well, <laughs> but for you, I mean, production manager, the Directors Guild, um, you know, they, well, yeah, there's that's a square, scale, that's but... scale for that. But I guess that's a good twist there. I guess for you budget wise, that's something that to consider. I, I like, yeah, because here's the thing. I mean, if I really love the project and whatever, then, oh, okay, maybe scale um, or maybe a little bit above scale and not crazy or anything like that. I mean, it just kind of depends. But what I hate is when you're working on a project and you don't have, I mean, look, like I said, you never have enough time, you never have enough money. But when you don't have when you when there's so little money that you you know and they still want the world you know it's like i can't perform miracles yeah um so that that plays into it also because you know you want to be realistic and you want to give people what they need to do the job um i think that often times people don't spend money and they, or they think that the UPM and producers jobs is only to save money. It's like, no, it's to make a really good product. So you need to have the resources to do that. And, you know, you have to pay for those resources. Right. Give me an example of something. I mean, you don't have to name the show, but uh, one of the tough decisions that you had to make uh, in regards to that, um, because that's, you know, that's a daily or episodically or project-based decision. Uh, give me an example of something like, uh, this is not going to work, guys. You know, one of those moments. Uh, whew, I got to think about that. Um, there are times when um, I've worked, I mean, I'll give you a general sure. until I can think of something more specific. But um, there are times when, you know, you get a script on any show and the ambition is like, and they walk into the stadium and everybody stands up and cheers. And you're like, no, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, not only is that supposed to happen next Thursday, um, you know, we don't have the time or the money to fill, you know, put in 20,000 people. Right. And part of that is, you know, nobody understands, I shouldn't say no one, but when they're writing whatever it is that they're writing, sometimes they're not thinking about what 20,000 extras require right. um, and the that you're building a little city for a couple of days. And now now with everything that's happened, you know, CG and all that, you know, you can add that. Uh, I'm when we when we were doing Red Tails, we you know, and in, in a lot of ways, it felt like um, 
you could just, they could literally do whatever they wanted to do. We had real planes from World War II. We had pilots fly in from all over the place. And still there was um, restrictions and limits to what you could pull off, even though it seemed as if we had all the resources in the world. Yeah. Um, so I guess, do you um, share writers, you know, the notes of the logistics or the feasibility of some of this, or is it just kind of like, uh, those are side discussions after the script has been written and new pages are coming. It, yeah. It, it depends on, on, um, my experience on features was mostly as an AD. So I was yeah. not a part of that process. Gotcha. Um, my experience on Red Tails was very different because I was with Anthony from almost the, almost the very beginning. And so we, and, and there, it, there was no limit in, in regards, like when you were prepping um, and there, they, Lucasfilms provided you with all these people to explain how you could actually pull certain things off and what they could do digitally and storyboard artists and all sorts of things. Um, in terms of my world of television, um, it varies from project to project. Some people are more interested in your input and others um, are not. And you still have to tell them anyway, like, not so sure we can do that part. We can do a version of it. We can, you know, sometimes you just can't pull off what it is that they need or, or what they think they need. And often, like on Blackish, it's very collaborative. There's a conversation. Um, if there's something that we don't think we can do, and most of the time the restrictions are time, yeah. Um, because you're working with kids and um, there's, you know, there's limits on their time and all of that. And also it's a quicker turnaround on things because it's only five day episodes. Um, th then most of the time they're like, oh, okay, well, what if we do this instead? You know, they have, there's like the pie in the sky version. Yes. Then there's like a different version. And then there's the version that we could do. Gotcha. Gotcha. And they already know that. Yes. And so, and sometimes we are able to pull off the pie in the sky version. Like I, uh, last season we had Eric Garcetti on the show and it was, uh, you know, he was campaigning and doing all sorts of stuff. And I was like, there's no way. And we managed to get him. And so we were able to pull it off. But, you know, the whole time I, in the back of my head, I was thinking, this is not going to happen. We better have a backup plan. And, um, it it actually it all worked out really well. I was just about to ask you what uh, if I give you a pie, a hundred percent. Optimistic is one slice of the pie. Pessimistic or depth doubtful is the other. What percentage is it fluctuating? What was the last part? Uh, pessimistic or doubtful or I don't want to say pessimistic. That would be negative. But how do you? Uh, what percentage are you most of the time when dealing with a lot of this stuff? I mean. Uh, I would say I am 25% doubtful. Mm. I'm 
um, maybe 60. Okay, wait, I got to make sure I don't lose track of my math. Yeah, 25 now. Um, I got 25. (laughs) Then I would say um, 25 optimistic. And then the remaining, the remainder, uh, the 50% is just practical. Yes. Pragmatic. Yes. Totally. All right. Um, What makes you choose a job? You mentioned... Uh, your interest in the project, obviously the people. Uh, if someone called you today and said, Heidi, I got this, uh, what would make you leave uh, a show that you're already on or, or take or even strong consideration? Um, it would have to be completely... Uh, it, would, it would have to be an opportunity that I don't think I've already had. Uh, I would love to, um, I don't know. It's so funny. I'm trying to think. Cause like I went to Europe, um, some, there's a part of me though. I, I, I hesitate to say this cause I know how difficult it would be that would love to do like some kind of road trip thing. Mm. Uh, so it would re- basically, it would be an experience that I hadn't had before that that would make me leave a job the or a Nick or an opportunity to work with somebody I really really wanted to work with um when Kobe retired and um was starting his production company, I had this conversation with my agent and I was like, look, if anything comes up where, you know, he's going to need somebody like me, then let me know (laughs) because I would be interested. And she was like, okay, okay. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, and obviously, sadly, that will never come together. But yeah, there there are definitely um, things that if... It, it would just depend. Uh, it would it would be some kind of glowing something that would make me be like, oh, I've got to do this. I need this opportunity. But like for Blackish, um, I had an interview with Michael Peacock, hmm. and he called me on the phone to interview me. Oh, how funny! My phone is ringing right now. Um, he called me on the phone to interview me, and it was. Um, I was I was driving back from San Francisco at the time mm-hmm. and I was just, you know, listening to music in my car and whatever. And we were driving and he was asking me uh, questions and he was going to, you know, I was still going to come in and talk to him and everything. But, oh, my God, he made me laugh so hard on the on the drive. And we talked for some insane amount of time. Yeah. And, you know, I knew like, oh, this I could work with this person. That's right. Yeah, that's great. That um, when Kobe was, he actually, you mentioned Kobe, he visited when I was on Scandal, he visited our set. Did he ever visit you guys over there when you were? No, there was a, there was a time when he was over at Disney. um, I think uh, perhaps maybe meeting with animators or something for Deer Basketball. And so the word was he was going to come over to the set. I got a call and they were like, um, 
Kobe Bryant is here seeing Bob Iger. They'd like to know if it's okay if he comes to set. And I was like, I didn't, you know, like most of the time there's like this whole process we go through and have to ask all these other people. I was like, ah, it's not a problem whatsoever. He could come over, right? So then I ran to set and told everybody that, you know, Kobe's going to try to come by. And then I got a call maybe 30 minutes later and they said that he was running behind and he wasn't going to be able to. And, um, he was, you know, headed back to Orange County. So mm. I was like, oh, man. Yeah, you guys would have wrote new pages for him. Put him in the scene real quick. Oh, <laughs> it would have been. I don't know what would have happened. <laughs> but sure. we've had we had some um, we've had some wild people just drop by yeah. the set. Um, um, oh, my gosh. Why can't I think of who it is? Uh, and you just kind of make up stuff on the fly or improv or is it is it just visiting? No, put them on camera no, no, they're just. No, okay. they just are this, visiting. Got gotcha. you. Just visiting. Yeah. Um, remember, remember. Oh my gosh, I don't know, like if it's age or whatever. I can't remember his name. The remember the Bahamian diet. Yes. Greg, Gregory. Yes. Dick Gregory. Yes, yes. Dick Gregory came by one time. Yes. That was pretty. Love Dick Gregory. Wild. Yeah. Um, Sydney Portier came by one time. Yes. Um, so yeah, we've had some spectacular drop-ins, but you know, all that's going to change. Um, I'm pretty sure we're not going to be able to have visitors. Yeah. And so, you know, when people, um, are on the lot, you know, we, we probably won't be able to have any unexpected visitors for a while. Yeah. Just really sad. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not even getting to the uh, gray area of uh, the requirements as of yet because uh, we're still hammering those out. I know you've been following that along. Um, oh, yeah. I'm sure. Um, where were you guys? I, mean, I guess you guys had wrapped recently or, you know, in March, right? So the the way it happened was we had wrapped a couple of weeks before. We had finished principal photography, but we were still wrapping out. Yes. And we had a fairly large wrap out because we were they were closing one of the set decorating warehouses so that was scheduled to take about mm. five weeks because you know, we had six yes. seasons worth of stuff that had to be moved across town and on a friday i can't remember the dates but whatever the friday i just remember our accountant actually i'm sorry a couple of months before then our our lead accountant, Amy Wall, I was in her office and she said to me, you know, this coronavirus thing, and this had to be, honest to God, in like February, the beginning of February, she goes, this coronavirus thing looks a little scary. Yeah. And I was like, girl, it's no problem. Right. <laughs> We're going to be fine. I was like, it's not coming here. They'll stop it before it ever gets here. And cut to, you know, that Friday I remember going home and watching the news and then making phone calls to um, our executive producer, Helen Suglin, and telling her, I'm very worried. (laughs) And um, then later that week, we shut down. And, you know, so we were in rap. So in that respect, it was good. Um, But um, so there wasn't that many people and we weren't dealing with, you know. uh, Shooting. uh, Yeah finishing out storylines or anything like that. But we were 
um, still wrapping so up. So you still have a stage full of set uh, pieces somewhere that need to be transported? The Well, they actually, because the warehouse, right. I don't, I mean, I guess the sale went okay. through, but they weren't able to move all the things. They did a lot. Yeah. They they worked a couple more days and they did a lot, but they weren't able to move every single thing. And so, you know, it'll it is what it right. is. Yeah. Um <clears throat> when you consider uh a job, think about a job that you passed on and you regret not taking. Uh okay, this is gonna sound silly. Yeah. Um the the first job that always comes to mind was when I was a PA, uh, or actually I had just gotten into the guild, but I was uh, in the third area, and but I had just moved to Los Angeles, so it was all complicated, and I could have worked on the birdcage, and they and I would have had to work like the part of it in Los Angeles I would have had to have worked as a PA but then when they went to South Beach I would have been the second second or something right yeah and I was advised by a dear friend who was like you don't want them to see you as uh, anything other than an AD so you shouldn't take that job and I didn't and then when the movie came out I was like I would have had so much fun yes um and and you know and then I loved the movie so every time I watched it I would think like I I could have been on that movie it would have been great and so yeah I always think of that and and also it was working with Jeff Okabayashi who I love Mm -hmm. and um I worked with when I was a PA on um, Undercover Blues, and he was, he is still like one of the most impressive ADs I've ever met. Nice. <clears throat> so, did that kind of change your thought process about those jobs? That, hey, if it looks like a fun situation, I'm taking it and, and uh, wherever. You know. Well, I will say, <laughs> I, I had no yeah. idea it was going to be fun. Yeah. Um, because I, I didn't really like, yeah, I didn't know what the script was or anything like that, but it did, it did reinforce the idea of working with people that you like. Um, and like I said, if you're going to spend all that time with them, then you should work with people that you like. Uh, and also it, it reminded me like, you know, it's great to take people's advice, but sometimes you need to follow your own gut. Right. Um, so what about a job that you took and you said, oh, man, I should have passed on this one. Um, <clears throat> the whole work environment. Is it, and it's, hmm. What made you feel that way? Is it kind of the work environment, uh, the money, the budget? Um, I've worked on um, a couple of projects. And, you know, the that I, you know, was like, I can't wait till this ends. Um a lot most of the time it has to do with environment um and sometimes you're just like it's just exhausting Mm -hmm. um sometimes it's just you know you're it requires so much from you that it's just exhausting but I've also worked on shows where it's exhausting and exhilarating at the same time where you're super tired and this is all you're doing I mean Red Tails was like that um it was, you know, my whole life for like 18 months. And 
you know, it just, it was relentless. And, but at the same time, it was exhilarating because I was learning stuff every single day. So that's your sweet spot for you. Um, Exhausting and exhilarating. No, that is not a sweet spot. (laughs) (laughs) Exhaustion is not fun. Okay. Exhilarating Um, and well-rested. Yeah. Exhilarating and, and, and just, good people and fun gotcha. um i'm trying to think back of where like it's that like when i worked on girlfriends there was a good balance of i definitely had a lot of fun yes. it was you know it was a it was a multicam and that was the first multicam i had ever worked right. on and i was like this is fantastic you come in yes. like you know the hours all that kind of stuff so even though the work itself sometimes could be difficult, um, it was, you know, like you had time to recover. Yes, yes that makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> Talk about your, um, I call them OGs, or, you know, your veterans in the industry that you call for advice or just a chat, a coffee, a tea, someone that you've um, leaned on. Hmm. Uh, I mean, first off the bat is Vicki Rhodes, probably, because, like I said, she was the first um, first AD I had ever met. Um, the UPM on that show, you know, it's so funny. I, I think back to all of that and how kind of old school everything was. There was such a, a um, hierarchy mm-hmm. and it was so uh, rigid. But um, Derek Cavanaugh was the UPM, and he was a very, uh, I guess, he was just, all I can think of is like, he was just like a classy guy. And he and Michael Schultz um, and Vicky and our DP, Peter, whose name I can't remember, I can't remember his last name, but anyway, all of them, it was just such a, um, they just, it was a, a small little film and they just, they treated everybody so well. Yes. And I was so impressed by them. Um, and Michael Schultz, I am so happy to say I talked to like at least once a year. Um, there was a huge period of time where I didn't talk to him at all. And then I moved to Los Angeles and then I ended up working on Blackish, and then he directed, and that mm-hmm. was crazy. Um, you know, for your first film as a PA to now, you know, I'm a producer on the show, and he's there, and so it was that was crazy for me. Um, but he he's always, you know, just giving me great advice. Uh, gosh. Then I have like you know I have the the sister yeah. girl group. Um, I guess at this point in your career, I mean a lot of folks, you're a lot of folks. Um, oh geez, now I mean you have a. I know some people. You're trying to say that I am. No, the OG I, you are the veteran. You have. You've been through. The... It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, which is great. It's all which right. Is, which is I'm great. not. Yeah, yeah, I'm not offended by that. Uh, but I and I will also say I look to a lot of other people outside of yes. this business um, in terms of how they conduct business, because, you know, 
despite the fact that this is um, a, a creative industry and all that kind of stuff, a lot of my job is not that. It's yeah. managing creative people, but it is not, you know, necessarily. I mean, I feel like I'm a very creative right. manager. Um, often and sometimes I feel like I'm a mm-hmm. camp counselor. Um, but like Helen Sugland, who is one of our executive producers on the show, Black mm-hmm. Woman, um, right from the get-go has always, you know, been somebody that I call up and talk to and gives me fantastic advice on, you know, how to deal with the situation and how to just navigate the whole thing because there's a lot of, there's a a lot of navigation that is required to deal with studio network and your show. I bet. Yeah. Um, Black has a history of that, which is great. It pushes the envelope um, on a lot of things network wise um, and has critical and commercial success. So that's always rewarding. Um, let me ask you this. What kind of, you know, you're a production manager, so you're in charge of hiring and firing and looking for crews and looking for, you know, uh, vendors and things of that sort. What kind of team are you looking for? Um, you know, what kind of production team, what kind of crew are you looking for as you navigate personnel? Um, mostly collaborative and people who are going to tell me, look, I, I am not an expert in all sorts of things, you know, the, the intricacies of camera and all that kind of stuff. So people that I can trust, um, and people who are, have integrity, like, you know, in dealing with the situation, sometimes I can't give you every toy that you want. Um, I worked on a show one time where I had this DP who just wanted to, like every new thing that came out in whatever, you know, cinematic magazine he wanted to try. And, you know, that's all great, except for it costs tons and tons of money most of the time. So he would get, you know, this light came out this year, we're going to use it and all that kind of stuff. And then I would say to him, well, okay, we can't afford those lights. And if you were here last year, what were you going to do? (laughs) Like, how are you going to light it then? Um, So, you know, people who are collaborative, like who, who understand that this is not just your personal playground. We have a product that we have to uh, create and get out there. Yeah. And move on to the next thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, describe like your daily routine. Um, what does a production manager, you know, do? Uh, or what is your, you're in the sweet spot now. This is season seven or so. Um, yeah, this is season yeah. seven. Um, I, well, and then, you know, this is, I can only speak to what my routine was sure. in the past. Cause I'm sure it's going to change dramatically in this upcoming season. So in the past, um, you know, get up at like between 4.45 and 5, depends on how late the night was before. Um, and usually at that point, my um, text messages, I just immediately start looking at what's coming in. 
because if there's anything um, going on, then they're texting and letting me know what's happening. And, you know, I get ready and I try to be at the lot between 7 and 7.30. And that way I can catch the first mm -hmm. rehearsal. Um, I get to the lot, I go straight to set. I stay on set for a little bit to try to see, you know, how the day is going. Um, in, in terms of like how we're, how, how we're launching, are we having um, an easy start to the day or has the day already hit some kind of road bump? Um, you know, were people incredibly late? Was there confusion about what a look was supposed to be for, you know, the beginning? Was it, you know, it could be all sorts right. of things. Um, somebody unhappy with what they're wearing, you know, all that kind of stuff did a, uh, sometimes we had a crane one time that was needed for the shot and the crane didn't work, you know, what are we going to do now? All that kind of stuff. But then I try to get in the office. Oh, did you, did you lose me? Oh, okay. Um, I try to get in the office before the office really starts kicking it off. I figure out um, so at the beginning of the week, it's usually payroll, um, which is the priority. So I'm just focused on let's get that out and done. Um, and then we also, <clears throat> excuse me, we have um, a lot of meetings the way that we are set up. And our Mondays are day zero. So that often is just a conversation um, with the writers and with uh, Michael Peacock and some of our other producers about things that are in the script. Then our, uh, and also our location manager, we discuss all those kind of things that are in the upcoming episode that we're prepping. Uh, the, nice. the next couple of days is all meetings, production meeting, concept meeting, you know, style meeting, wardrobe meeting, all those kind of things. Yeah. Right. But that's basically it. Okay. And then, you know, Sweet. check in back and forth with the set, go down the set, kind of take its temperature for a little bit, and then get back up to my office and deal with that. Um, you know, it's different on different shows. Like on Insecure, it was different because we were on the road a lot. Yeah. And so... And HBO had this crazy setup of um, being able to do POs uh, digitally, which was fantastic for that show because that meant that I just had to bring my laptop with me and I could get a ton of paperwork done. So yes. I could be on set and do a lot of paperwork. Um, and it's going to be interesting because I think coming up, a lot of shows are going to turn to those kind of programs um, so there's less paper floating around. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, all right. <clears throat> so I had to call this section. This might offend my political connects. So as you think about your career or even the industry in general, if you have to describe something that is underrated, uh -huh. something or someone that is overrated and something or someone that is properly rated. What would you uh, do? Overrated, underrated, and properly rated. Overrated social media. Okay. Like all of it. Um. <laughs> yeah. 
It's not my favorite thing. Gotcha. And um, underrated. Ooh, underrated is hard. Underrated. Underrated, uh, I would say, would be in in a weird way. I would say network TV because mm. I know streaming is all the rage. However, and and I was right there in it. Like loved streaming. I you know the big Netflix when they came out with House of Cards and. All that I was like, this is fantastic. It's great. And now mm-hmm. I get on and I'm like, ugh. You know, there's just so much and not all of it is that great. Um, there's yeah. definitely some really great things on the streaming services. But yeah. oh wait, so is that, that underrated? You said you said that network TV. Oh, oh, so I said network is underrated because I do think that. You know, I, there was this thing. <laughs> I would go on on streaming services and try to watch a series, and a lot of times I just felt like this is just right. too long. Like things were, I was like, you, you know, and I think it's because they give so much artistic freedom and all that kind of stuff, which I'm sure is fantastic. But sometimes you need a time yes. limit, you know, just to move the story, because sometimes it's just like, oh, this right. is all too long. Okay, and then you said rated, rated just yeah. right? Properly rated. Uh, well, I guess if I'm staying with the the uh, the overall kind of studio network process, I would say like premium cable mm. is properly <laughs> rated. Um, not not necessarily working for them, but just in terms of the product that they produce, they they are consistent, and there's good, interesting stuff, and a lot of it is not too yeah. long. Um, that's those are good. Those are excellent. Um, talk about yourself. Uh, give me a strength of Heidi and something that you want to work on. Ooh. Um. Hmm. Strength is, uh, I, I think, I don't know if everyone would agree, but I think I'm a very good listener. Um, and people come in my office and spill their guts. (laughs) And, uh, I think I'm good at listening to what, um, challenges people are facing. And not necessarily solving their problems for them, but at least pointing them in the direction of how they can solve their own problems. Um, What I'm working on is I'm not great at um, participating in terms of like, I'm, you know, like I want to be active in the DGA and then I'm like, don't show up yeah. to something and don't want to go to meetings and don't want to do. And a lot of that has to do with, I'm, I, a lot of that, I think actually, and what I'm working on is that I, I am actually an introvert, but my job requires that I be an yes. extrovert. So I have to be that right. all day long. 
And so then I, you know, like some of the happiest times I spend are in my car driving home from work just because I'm like, oh my God, finally people can stop asking me questions and stop talking to me. Though, of course, now they just call me and talk to me on my cell phone (laughs) while I'm driving. But a lot of times, you know, I can kind of let that go. You're talking my language Um, right there, sister. Yes. Yeah. Because it's just like there's you're inundated all day long with questions. And it's hard to kind of um, you just need some quiet. Like this whole, you know, pandemic stay at home thing and people yes. were, you know, like I, I had a lot of friends who were like, are you okay? And uh, yes. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. I'm so happy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this has been going like, Yes. <laughs> this, is, this has been like, I've been yes. watching old movies. I Sometimes I don't know what I'm going to do during the day. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yes. this is fantastic. Um you know, right. I mean, obviously, there are, <laughs> it has its challenges. And there was a moment there when I was worried that I was going to be one of those people who, like, I, I forgot what it's called, like, agoraphobia, where you're yes. afraid to come out of your house, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but I was like, oh, well, yeah, maybe that's, that's what my destiny is. Um, <laughs> I will never leave the house again. Yes. I'm okay. Um but yeah, I mean, I think the challenge is I'm trying to figure out balance yeah. of how some how I can do those things. And also, and I'm not great at I'm not great at um, mentoring and sharing knowledge. And so, like, when you asked me to do this, I was kind of like, oh, OK, I mm-hmm. guess I can. And mostly because I, you know, it's such a. um it's such a specific individual uh, mm-hmm. industry in some so many ways. Though there are definitely universal um, things that apply, but it's not. That's not always the right. case. Um, I'm so looking forward to when everybody gets back to work and seeing how with everything that's going on in the world, how that has an impact. And if it has an impact, because mm. um, I know everyone keeps saying that this is different, this is different, this feels different and it does, but I'm, I'm fearful that, you know, everyone will snap back to their old ways very quickly and though the pandemic in many ways is keeping people from snapping back to their old ways. Um, but I'm just, I'm, it'll be very interesting to see if this is a sustainable mindset. And I don't mean for right. black people sustainable because we've been here in this mindset for 401 years, but like uh, of the, the allied mm-hmm. mindset. You know, is that going to stay? And will people continually be this self-aware? Because I'm not 100% convinced. Yeah. Uh, I can, I, we'll talk offline about that. But that I, I totally can agree with you. Um, 
I guess for me, uh, acknowledging it and being able to have the discussions without making them personal on either side. I don't like to hear the guilt side or guilt trip, which a lot of things are happening now. And I also don't want the sympathy side. Yeah. Solutions to systems. Right. Well, and here's the thing I got to tell you, because I get annoyed. Yes. With the guilt. Because, you know, and I don't know if this is the part you want to talk about later, but I don't don't care. I don't mind talking about it. (laughs) Is that I, to hear people say things like, I just realized now that I could have done better. Really? You just now realize? I can't tell you how many times. I Actually, I can tell you. I have been on maybe three or four shows where there's been significant diversity. And that's three or four shows out of, let's say, 30. And that's including, you know, my career, you know, from being a PA to an AD, all of those shows, I'd say three or four. So many times I was the only black person or the only person of color. And um, I will never forget when I first came to LA and um, Kim Kuramata was a UPM on a show that I worked on and I was a set PA and he, like, I, I don't think I, outside of saying hello, had never exchanged any, you know, had no significant Um, engagement with him whatsoever. When I came to LA and I went to the DGA and I saw him and he walked right up to me and he goes, hi, Heidi. And I was like, hi. I was like, I can't believe you remember me. He was like, of course I remember (laughs) you. (laughs) He was like, you were the only black person on the whole show. (laughs) And I was like, oh, he goes, oh, it happens Mm. to me all the time. And I was like, wow. And, but you know, and, and I think it's not like I didn't know that, but like the fact to hear somebody articulate it so like, cause he was living it. He mm. knew he was like, oh yeah, I'm the only Asian person. You're the only black person. Here we go. Right. You know, <laughs> like, okay. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in seeing how this plays out, you know, very, very interesting. Okay. All right. To be continued on that. Um, I guess we're going to wrap it up here with a couple more questions. What do you, uh, over your career, is there anyone that you want to work with that you haven't, uh, either in front or behind the camera? Oh, my yeah. God. Um, okay. Michael <laughs> Jordan. Um, let's see. I have never worked on anything mm-hmm. with Denzel. I've never worked on, um, gosh, there's just so many people. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of somebody like new and up and coming. I like that. I would like to, well, actually let me think of like people other than actors. Um, I think there's a host of directors uh, that I would love to work with. Oh, you know what? Hang on one second. Yeah. Can you still hear me? Oh, okay. Um, 
yeah, there's there's a ton of there's a ton of directors that uh, I would love to work with. Okay. Um. Um, and definitely, I like I I you know what's funny is I worked with Ava back when um, she was a uh, publicist, but I've never worked with her since she's become a director and all the fabulousness that yeah. she is now. All right, so um, my final question: um, name and uh-huh. claim it. So in 24 to 48 months, uh, is there something that you haven't done in the industry that you look forward to doing? Are you planning? Is there anything that you want ahead of your career that you haven't touched? What will you be doing in two to four years from now? Um, I would say line producing... Um, some kind of fabulous series from the very get-go, like from the pilot all the way through. Um, I would like to do, I would love to do um, some Mm. features. I haven't been back in the feature world in a while. Okay. Excellent. That wasn't bad, was it, Heidi? Right? No, that that wasn't bad at all. That wasn't bad at all. When you're ready to have the uh, black people discussion, yes, we will. Actually, know. I'm going to be at the uh, Directors <laughs> Guild steering, uh, the African American Steering Committee prior. Uh, I guess they have a Zoom chat. I think Friday. I think. Uh, so let's let's chime in okay. there, um, so I can help support the brethren as they because you're everything you articulated is one of my things. When I leave Hollywood, I just kind of take it all off wash it down the drain yep. in the shower and stuff, yep. you know. So for me to put that armor back on and yep. go back and fight a lot of these battles. Exactly. Is, but I'm I'm getting a lot of texts right. and emails right. and people want stuff. So I just have to give them what I can give them without the armor. Uh, yes. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Well, fantastic. Absolutely. Well, thank, thank you, so Heidi. This has been the Film Crew Love Podcast. The Labor of Film Love. The Love of Film Labor. Till next time. Peace. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.